Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision. Joining us today is Andy Barnes, Executive IT Architect and IoT Consumer Business Architect from IBM Global Business Services. Thank you for joining us on the show today, Andy. Hey, you're most welcome. Great to be here. Really excited to talk about this topic today. And as one of our favorite topics, the best way to kick off the new year. Um, let's start with a little bit of intro. When we last talked, you had mentioned that you have been with IBM for 25 years. Now that's quite remarkable in today's world, especially in the world of technology. Can you share with our audience a little bit about how your journey started and what are you doing right now at IBM? Sure. Well, actually, uh, I'm just starting my 28th year as this podcast goes out, so it's it's even longer. But um, you're right; people tend to move around companies um, quite often these days. But uh, uh, you know, I've I've seen nearly every technology wave that's come along, from mainframes to client server to the start of of the, the World Wide Web, the dot com boom, moving into things like interactive television, uh, working on complex systems integration. And I spent most of my career, a formative career, I think, in, in what's now called IBM Consulting. Uh, and I moved across a few years ago into what is now IBM Software, uh, into their Internet of Things practice um, back then, which evolved and, and migrated into uh, artificial intelligence applications, which then had a natural step actually into what is now IBM Sustainability Software. And I'm our, our lead architect for our Tririga portfolio, which deals with facilities management um, across very big portfolios of buildings for customers. So I've had quite a varied degree, degree, um, career, and I think that's one of the things that's kept me in, in IBM every two, three, four, five years. Um, there's been this next big technology wave that's come along, um, and I've decided to follow it. <laughs> but I could do that within you know, a very big company, um, which obviously follows those technology waves, contributes to them, and gives thought leadership uh, with them. So that's always obviously been um, great for me, um, great to keep my mind active and interested in, in what I'm doing. So it's almost like I've had 20 different jobs within the same company during that time. I love those stories. And, and I think that's the wonderful thing about, you know, being in a big company and also in a great company as IBM, because you get to test out different roles and things that you do. Um, so tell us a little bit more about uh, the sustainability role that you're in right now. Sure. Well, I think another thing that's obviously kept me in IBM for all these years, I think, is its ethical and moral values as well. So IBM has been uh, reporting on sustainability in some form or other since um, I think it was about 1971, um, which is quite a long time ago, really. And even back in 1963, um, Thomas J. Watson, Jr., the CEO of IBM back then, said, we want to be in the forefront of those companies which are working to make our world a better place, uh, our world a better place. So it's not just about having a successful business. It's about contributing to society, contributing to the planet, contributing to people and so on. So being a steward, really, of issues related to environment, ethics and, and equity. Um, so that as a foundation has, has really kept me here. And I think that's what's made me quite attracted to the whole sustainability thing within IBM. 
Um, so working in IBM sustainability software, we have a, a major portfolio of products. One is Tririga, which is around building management. Another is Maximo, which is around um, asset management. So everything which isn't buildings, basically. Um, then we have things like Invisi, which um, is around environmental reporting, ESG reporting, and Sterling, so supply chain management. So looking at all your suppliers and are they doing the right things to be able to support my ESG goals and, and so on. So as a lead architect for Tririga, I work very closely with the other product architects and how we can share information and get those systems of record interacting so that we can get insights from those, those products um, to allow uh, businesses to realize their goals that they've set themselves and to be able to support any ESG um, ambitions and goals uh, that they need to. Like that. So speaking of ESG, let's change our topic a little bit. So the 2022 United Nations Climate Change Conference had come and gone marking the 30th anniversary of the adoption of the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. Can't believe it's been 30 years, but it has been. Oh, and yes. the world has come a long way in the fight against climate change and the negative impacts on our planet. I, I would say for one, at least myself, we get a better understanding of what it is our actions can do. And I remember it wasn't that long ago when some of the world's best known banks and airlines, car makers, they all made pledges towards a net zero emissions future. Specifically, back then, Amazon CEO announced a climate pledge and their plan to commit to net zero carbon emissions by 2040, which would have been a decade ahead of the International Paris Agreement in 2019. Now, since then, we have had many companies that have signed on. Looking back at last year, the year of inflation, economic downturns, I have to ask though, Andy, have we made real progress given everything that demands our attention? It feels like every corner we turn, there's something we need to do. One would argue, can we actually afford to wait to take action? And what is the right strategy? Is there even a right strategy? Sure. A um, number of questions there. And, and I'll, I'll maybe take a step back, step back and answer that in a slightly different way. I mean, the headline answer to what you just asked is, yes, we have to start doing something now. But why? Right. So uh, there are a series of challenges impacting the world, um, particularly around um, companies that either manufacture, provide services, for computing or use computing. Now, I can't think of a company in the world that doesn't use computing, but you look at you know some of the headlines today about CO2 consumption of companies, how that's affecting um, a climate, but more so than you know looking through at sustainability of natural resources, the water that's used by data centers, the rare earth materials that used in the hardware and the infrastructure to support these things, the data centers that support them too. And finally, you know, on top of that as well, user data, privacy concerns, ethics, diversity, inclusion, the impact of technology, so the disruption that it's causing on people, places and the planet again. All of this is undergoing scrutiny like we've never had before. Um, so people who are consumers of technology 
Um, it's influencing not only purchasing decisions by consumers, but also investor choices. And that's really important, right? So if people are deciding, I'm not buying your products because I don't think you're a good ethical company, either for sustainability or some other factor, then that's going to hit your bottom line. So to say there's been an economic downturn, and then if you're not investing um, in how you support um, things like sustainability, then consumers may go elsewhere. So it will be even worse for your business. On top of that as well, you know, investor choices. So if you issue some more shares, people are going to look at your ESG report. They are, and they do today. Investment companies look at your ESG reports and they put that in the portfolio if it's the right thing for the people that they're trying to, to get to invest in this. But also the company's ability to attract and retain talent. So millennials, Generation Z, um, really kind of aware of climate change and ethics and and they want to work for a good ethical company and many of them will take a lower salary uh, marginally I, I would imagine but they will take a lower salary to go to a company um, that has a better ethical track record than another company so there when when they come to an interview they're interviewing you <laughs> your company as well as you interviewing them and um, to get the best talent, to be able to keep that best talent, you have to have a good culture, you have to have a good strategy, you have to have good ambitions, you have to have good reporting on this. So it's, and it's not just about organizations, but the individuals within it and the actions that they take. So if you're attracting this talent, then you're already breeding that, that culture. If they're already thinking about you as a company, they'll bring in ideas about how to do better things ethically. So the question around, should we be doing this now? Absolutely yes, because you're gonna be, um, if, if you're not already being impacted by talent going elsewhere, purchasing decisions of consumers, investment choices, then it's a question of when. The industry is waking up to these challenges. Um, your competitors are already starting to do things around this. And actually, it can help drive innovation too into those companies. And that's really critical because um, if you've got a culture change and a culture shift and you've got people thinking of ideas of how to change this, new ideas will come out of that, new opportunities will come out of that, new services will come out of that. So to sit back and think, this is a problem I can't deal with today is wrong. I think businesses will start to die if they don't wake up and start doing this today. What you just said reminds me of something else I read too, is your children would start asking questions. Why yes, didn't you do indeed. something when you were able to, right? And, um, and, and I think oftentimes I like to say that I learn from the kids because they have a different take, a different vision, a different view on how life would be. And at the end of the day, everything that we do, we're trying to leave a better world for them to live. That's right. Um, 1987, the United Nations um, came up with this mantra or slogan. I, I don't know how you describe it, but um, what we're trying to do is develop for the needs of the present without compromising the needs of the future, which I think is brilliant. Um, as a quote, it exactly reflects what you say. So your children are growing up in this world. And, you know, if climate has changed and it is changing, um, or we've run out of rare earth materials or we've got water issues or you know, many other consequences, who are they going to blame? Previous generations. <laughs> That's us, right? That's what we do for our parents, right? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> every, every child blames their parents, right? And uh, yeah, but I'd like to think that we're there at the forefront now trying to help and make this a difference. And particularly, again, you know, I work for 
I, I think a highly ethical and moral company that's been doing this and it's been part of its DNA forever. Um, so I, I'm pretty, pretty proud of that. I, as you should be. And I'd like to think that with all of the resources and the talent that we have, with so much changes, we have been able to make positive changes, right? Yeah. If we band together, if we're intentional in creating the change, we can make that happen. So there is positive in this. Um, speaking of speaking of positive, um, let's look back at another announcement that I spotted last year. Um, yep. IBM talked about the Global Pro Bono Social Impact Program, the IBM Sustainability Accelerator. Can you tell us a little bit more about that initiative and how it ties to the United Nations Sustainability Development Goals? So for those who don't know, the United Nations Sustainability Development Goals, um, there are 17 of them, and they cover things like poverty, education, um, uh, water supply, and, and so on. And, and there's 17 really good, well thought through things. And the good thing about the UN Sustainability Goals is if you as a, as a business are trying to do something and you think it's ethical, uh, sustainable, or around good business governance, then if you cannot tie it back to one of the UN SDGs, then it might make you think, why am I doing this? Um, am, am I doing this for the wrong purposes? Because it doesn't seem part of any kind of like good ESG or, or, or other strategy. So there's 17 of those. Um, and as part of this sustainability accelerator, IBM will pro bono, uh, means for free, <laughs> give you some consulting um, to be able to help uh, five a year, uh, I, I believe we're doing. Um, so we will run five projects um, to help uh, accelerate sustainability within areas of the world, right? Which I think is amazing, you know, that we're funding that um, and helping to to get people up and moving and to reach those sustainability goals. But each one of those will be linked to at least one UN SDG. I, I, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, speaking of goals, now, one of the questions I know for the new year, top of mind for many people is, how can we reduce carbon footprint while remaining innovative and cost effective? And you touched on this a little bit earlier, um, <clears throat> being able to drive innovation. And that naturally brings up something else. You cannot improve what you cannot measure. And earlier, when we first started our conversation, you mentioned ESG reporting. Uh, you mentioned measurement data. Can you walk us through what IBM is doing on these fronts? Sure. So uh, one of the things that we're doing is around IBM sustainability solutions. Um, so whenever you do something around sustainability, you really need board level goals, right? So for your organization, what do you want to do? And that might be little small steps. So it might be, I want to reduce my carbon um, footprint by 10%. Um, or it could be something very grand. I want to reach net zero by 2030, you know, 20 years ahead of uh, certainly the UK's net zero um, goal. But um, you need to set it at a company level. You need to get people who, who are behind it. Um, so once you've got those goals, you need then systems of record that sit underneath it that can do measurements of something. So if it's greenhouse gases, how do I know what I've got? 
Um, is it something around my building infrastructure? Is it something around the assets that I manage that that consume and generate greenhouse gases or water or, or whatever? Or even just, you know, cloud computing infrastructure. So how much am I using? How much am I generating? Um, greenhouse gas uh, emissions are divided into three different scopes. So scope one is direct. So what's my building generating and using? Do I have a generator there? Um, scope two, indirect. So what electricity am, uh, am I using um, from an electricity provider or gas provider? Uh, and scope three, which is around, okay, so what's my fleet doing when it's driving around? How much uh, is, is that using? But if you have got no way to measure that and you have an ambitious goal or you have a, a, a smaller goal, um, then how do you know that um, what you're doing is moving you towards that end goal? You've got no way of measuring it. You've got no way of being transparent about it. You've got no way of having it audited. You've got no way of really talking about it in any authentic voice. And having authentic voice around this is absolutely key because if you don't have a culture of people being behind this, then I don't think you will ever get to achieve it. Um, so lots of people might play this in lip service and go, yeah, we're going to go back to um, the 1900s and reduce all carbon emissions we've had since then by paying somebody to plant some trees. You never see those trees, you never see those forests being created, but did it actually happen? I don't know. Have you got any way of actually measuring um, your, your goals now? Did you actually make a net reduction this year in your carbon emissions? So you might have gone back to the beginning of time to remove all your carbon uh, emissions, you didn't change your business. <laughs> That's what we really wanted you to do so that in the future, you're um, actually generating less and less and less year on year. Um, so that's really kind of important. Um, you also asked the question about innovation. Well, if you're attracting the, the uh, top talent by being an ethical and a good moral company, and you can prove it through your ESG reporting because there are systems that sit behind that which measure things and um, can present those in ESG reports and can it can be audited and, and so on, um, then you're getting the right people into your uh, organization. You're getting ahead of your competition. Um, you're probably gaining more market share because you're getting the right investment coming into your company that maybe others aren't. Um, and also that top talent, um, they'll have smart minds on their heads. They will see new opportunities. They will see new demand for services, demand for products that they can create uh, and sell out to that marketplace. So that in itself will start generating uh, new innovation, which I think is brilliant. Um, what IBM is doing, so again, we have the IBM sustainability um, uh, solutions, which is partly IBM consulting, um, to help you realize you know, what is your strategy, but then supported underneath that by systems of record. And those systems of record, you know, we have, again, things like IBM Maximo for asset management, IBM Tririga for uh, building management. Um, we have IBM Sterling for supply chain management. So looking at the end-to-end. -end, um, so from the point where, let, let's say I was in a furniture business, <laughs> from the point where uh, the wood is chopped down from trees all the way to shipping it into my factories from them getting it from my factories to my stores being able to manage um, your sustainability goals along the whole of that supply chain and, and that's really really important and then we have things um, like Linux One so uh, Linux One we had the Emperor 4 released just recently um, that's a very that's a big server by big server I mean it's a, a single rack size um, 
these things are great, super scalable, um, consolidate lots of um, uh, services that run on Linux onto one single server. And it's equivalent of something like 2000 cores of x86 um, boxes. So being able to have that and the economies of scale that that give, gives reduces your CO2 output for anything that you're running. Um, we also have uh, just received a SEAL Sustainable Product Award honor, uh, which is amazing. So SEAL is Sustainable Sustainability Environmental Achievement and Leadership Awards. That's an environmental advocacy organization, and it honors leadership through business sustainability awards, environmental journalism awards. And it also, it, it goes further. It goes and funds grants and pursuing their own environmental impact campaigns. And that's amazing. Um, we also have some other products, things like Turbonomic. Turbonomic um, allows simulation of, of what-if scenarios. Here's the service that I run. It could be a retail site or whatever, but based on true metrics that you've seen today. So you could then end up predicting, I guess, ultimately, how much carbon output um, you would be giving um, if you doubled the size of your business in, in a certain period of time. And I, I think that's incredible too. So... Uh, and then on top of all of that, we have Invisi again, and Invisi allows uh, pulling all those systems of records together, pulling information from all of those systems, and doing your ESG reporting, trying to automate it as much as possible for you, so that you can do it again, go up to the marketplace, um, stand up to scrutiny, um, be traceable, be authentic, um, and, and be auditable as well. One word that popped in my mind as you're sure. going through all of this, actually two words, I lied. The first one is transparency, transparency, transparency. And the second one is purpose. Purpose, it's something I feel like we don't talk enough about in the business, but it is so incredibly important because as you're walking through the different product sets in your suites and what you do with businesses, it feels like this is something that we can tell people this is purpose-built. It is purpose-built for a sustainable future, a future that we all share. And so it's not just good because it's a good thing to do. It's good for survival and it's good for business. And it's, it, sure. I mean, I just can't think of any reason why this wouldn't be a good thing. This is an amazing thing. And it's I just love this topic. That's something we talk about in the year. So thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, and it's interesting. So I looked at some stats before coming along here. And, you know, IBM has surveyed thousands of CEOs over the last 20 plus, year, plus years. And right now, sustainability is their highest pro priority. Um, so they're feeling demand from investigators, pressure from regulators and, and government. And that's about 60% of them. Um, but 64%, I think, will think they will achieve the sustainability goals. And 80%, which is a big number, believe government targets for in industry are achievable and good business. But, you know, just a lot of them need help. Holding hands, help us channel our ambitions, help us get the systems in place that we need to be able to do this. So um, I think the stats were something like 44% of CEOs lack insights from data, and they see that as a real problem. 35% uncertain how technology can help manage sustainability, and 23% are implementing a sustainability strategy across their organization. Only 23% right now. And that's just shockingly low, right? We need to get that number higher. We, and 
we need to remove those inhibitors. We need to move those barriers to entry, which is why we've got, you know, our IBM sustainability solutions based on all the things that I said. But also, you know, um, we want to do some greater good as well. And we created something called Responsible Computing two, three years ago. Um, and it was an idea that came from Rashid Palmer. Um, he, he's an ex-IBM fellow. He retired this year. I say he retired. He became the head of uh, BCS in, in the UK, which is a not-for-profit organization, but um, uh, and used to be called the British Computer Society. Um, so he had this, he did a, he interviewed a hundred um, CTOs um, and those CTOs uh, just expressed what their biggest um, issues were, what the biggest frustrations were. And one of the things that came out of it was around uh, sustainability, ethics, um, and just being able to report on, on all of this as well. So we kicked off an initiative called Responsible Computing, which had six major domains within it uh, two, three years ago. And it was supposed, it, it ended up being a systemic, holistic approach to addressing current and future challenges in computing, particularly around sustainability, ethics, and professionalism. I kind of summarize this in a slightly different way in that um, we really want to focus on people, planet, prosperity, and participation. And we came up with six domains, which are all, again, holistically interrelated. Um, so everything from the data center, responsible data center, responsible infrastructure, responsible code, and then higher, right? So those things are really about technology. And then we have the social side of it, which is, um, uh, mirrors it very well. So we have responsible data usage. So things like the privacy of your data, what happens to your data and so on, responsible systems um, and responsible impact. And all of those things together um, created a brilliant framework to help people um, understand what they might need to do. So a, a little bit broader than sustainability today. But this year we, uh, well, we, we had this uh, client council and the object management group, which is a not-for-profit organization in the US, um, were part of that. Um, and they were very interested and very keen. So we decided to give it to the object management group um, so that they could have something that was outside of IBM um, that the whole industry could then contribute to and help us all <laughs> um, to help with our services and our offerings to identify what are the, the highest priorities and the biggest impact things that we could touch. So that's gone to the object um uh, management group earlier this year and they're running with it now uh, and anyone can be involved ibm and dell are founding members um, the omg and universities and other um, private companies as well are all contributing to that and all you need to do is type omg responsible computing into google and you'll find everything you need to know about it but i think it's a great great thing that sits around and on top of what we're certainly doing with um, ibm sustainability solutions Wow, you you answered the question. I didn't even get a chance to ask. That was that was I'm sorry. amazing. No, 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 no at all. And thank you, thank you for for shedding the light on that. Um, I am still trying to digest some of those figures you shared. Forty four percent of 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 leaders shared that they lack insights from data. It brings me back to the question that we often talk about. In financial services, do we lack data? We don't lack data, but we don't know what to do with what we have. Um, 
what what can we do with 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 the the terabytes and terabytes and terabytes of data? If you were talking to one of those leaders um, from financial services organizations, and they listen to everything you talked about on what we can do better, what we need to focus on to get to the end goal. How do we optimize the workload? How can we use, for example, um, hybrid cloud as a means to mm -hmm. get to where we need to? Um, what will be the top things you would advise them to focus on? It feels like there is so much we need to do, or is it? Uh, well, so it's an interesting question. Um, it and it's a great question. Uh, I, so number one is, what are your short-term goals? What are your medium-term goals? What are your long-term goals? Because um, you touched on the Paris Accord. Um, I don't think the US signed up to it, but um, most of Europe did. And in the UK, where I live, uh, we have to reach net zero by 2050. So legislation and regulation is driving um, some of these goals. 2050 still seems quite a long time away for, for, for many people, but businesses have to start to adapt now. So part of it is a journey of discovery, I guess, and education and learning about um, some of what it means to be ethical, sustainable, um, depending on where your goals sit. So um, we can help them with them. We can bring them and uh, bring to life, you know, things like uh, the UN SDGs, um, what it means to do ESG reportings, um, how to shape the goals and how to measure the things that, that you need. You mentioned hybrid cloud. Having public-private cloud um, is a very good thing. You get consolidation into um, data centers. So rather than having a million data centers for one for every company around the world, we're moving more and more into um, public cloud providers and private cloud providers. Um, and those things give great economies of scale. So, um, and they're designed fairly recently, so they can be quite efficient. Um, not saying they always are, but they, they, they can be um, quite efficient, but also they tend to be quite near the electricity generation pass um, service. So um, the power generation service, if it's located nearby, there should be less, um, there should be more efficiency um, for, from getting data from them. So moving stuff into hybrid cloud and consolidating, reducing your server footprint, being able to use services like um, Linux One um, and having a very small footprint compared to traditionally lots of small boxes stacked up over many, many, many racks. That's going to help you almost immediately. That's 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 something that that you you can do and you can do now. But really, you have to get those goals um, defined first. Um, and again, they could be quite small or they could be enormously ambitious. Um, but getting those goals defined then lets you focus on what you need, the supporting technology that you need to be able to enable that and how you pull that together. And pulling that together is really important because pulling that data together is the way that you get those insights, the way that you get those measurements and the way that you can then publish that out to the world, your investors, your consumers, your employees, uh, and the world at large as well um, to show that you're, you're um, doing the right thing. It almost feels like this can mirror a personal every yes. year, you know, how we set new goals. This is 
the three things I need to do. And then thereby, here's a roadmap to get there. So on that but the, the one thing that you don't generally do when you set your New Year goals is you don't set any checkpoints or ways of measuring that, say, every quarter. Um, and actually, some of those things are they're quite hard to measure because you haven't thought about how you will do it. Um, uh, and that's why a lot of people fail with their, um, their their New Year goals, right? This is what I'm going to do for the rest of the year. And then they let it drop because, yeah, they haven't challenged themselves and they're not consistently measuring it. <laughs> that is very true. One of the things I had been wanting to do since uh, for the last three years, because I used to run. And so one of my goals uh, back a few years ago was I want to be able to run half math. And I did that. Oh, and, then, and then COVID hit. And then I, it's been a while since I actually finished um, more than five miles. Ouch, that's sad. Um, so what that has been one of my goals for the last year and a half, that I need to pick up running again and running long distance. But you're absolutely right. I did not set up the checkpoint in the middle of the year <laughs> to go back and do that and to actually actually think about how I go about getting there. So got that. Thank you. I, I mean, that's it, right? If you've, yeah. If you've never run a marathon um, and you're not a runner, <laughs> how do I get there? That's 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 a, that's a, a massive hill to climb, right? Uh, and you'll probably need some help either through, uh, you know, people that you know, friends to help you or uh, information being pointed at the right stuff to build a plan on how to get mm -hmm. there. Um, and you're going to need some equipment with that, good running shoes, probably quite a few, you know, a good diet and so on. So, um, but uh, yeah, again, it's education, it's helping, it's consulting, uh, and then it's the technology that sits under that to help get you there. And it's a journey. And it's a journey, it's a journey. absolutely. Yes, absolutely. On that note, before I let you go, Andy, um, sure. on a personal level, what do you look forward to the most this year? This year, I think really um you know we, we spent two years of the world just spinning <laughs> you know 2020 to 2020 end of 2021 um it was uh really difficult i guess for anybody to think about anything other than covid um and back to work strategy and how to digitalize my business and uh, i don't know maybe sustainability in that time took a backseat for a lot of of, of businesses but i don't know i felt I felt a real momentum this year, um, certainly in clients who come to us to ask about how to help them on their journey, how to shape their journey. And just, you know, generally asking, what do we have that technologically will help support them as well? Because they want to achieve in this. And now um, the world is almost back to normal. Um, they, they feel that they can go and achieve this. So I'm just hoping to see this exponential growth in conversations around sustainability um, and use of our software to help people get there um, and people just generally being authentic <laughs> um, and wanting to have some passion behind this and looking for for the change to make the world a better place i think that would be um, an amazing 2023 for me um, to get to the end of the year and look back and think wow you know we did so much uh, we helped so many people um, to get on this journey and to start realizing their ambitions and to help them understand it. I think that would be a great close to 2023 for me. I like that. And along the way, let's make sure that we do celebrate small wins sure. so that it makes the journey a little bit easier, a little bit more fun to get to. Um, but this has been a wonderful conversation and a perfect way to start off the new year. Thank you so much for joining us today, Andy. If we 
want to hear more and find out more about your work, where can we go? Um, so uh, you can email me if you like. <laughs> um, you can go to LinkedIn and find me. I'm Andy Barnes, IBM. I'm the one and only right now. Um, or um, you can put, uh, so my email address is andy underscore barnes at uk.ibm.com. Uh, I welcome any contact. So um, please, if you have questions, um, please get in contact. And I'm at AJG Barnes at, uh, on, on Twitter. So if you, if you want to find me there, that, that's also cool. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much, Andy, for joining us today. And for the rest of our listeners, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of One Vision. We will talk to you all next week.